Hey guys, welcome to Guards of Eden. This is episode 11, as well as the season finale, which is exciting slash a little bit sad on my part. But today's guest has sold millions of copies of his books, which he now has six as we speak, as well as setting world records for the largest outdoor hit session, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. So today's guest is Joe Wicks, or some of you may know him better as The Body Coach. Joe's had a really profound impact on my life, as a manager, his influence through his social media channels, and he's also my older cousin. But we cover a whole bunch in the podcast in terms of his early childhood as well as kind of his experience maturing in the fitness industry. And finally today where he's now a parent to his beautiful daughter Indy and how that's impacted his life as well. And it's just a fantastic episode. So without further ado, here we go. Three, two, one enjoy hey joe how you doing i'm good cuz i'm good mate i'm looking yeah. forward to this i've been listening to a few of your podcasts <laughs> and i feel honored to be a guest on your last episode oh mate the grand finale i couldn't have finished it in any other way really i feel like you've done you've done so many so 11 episodes i'm your 11th yeah yeah so it was um the first one was recorded maybe three weeks before i started and i've kind of done it in waves where i've interviewed like three or four people in a week and stuff like that have but you enjoyed it enjoying the process oh yeah it's amazing because you're getting to tell people stories it makes you it's all been a bit emotional i guess at this point there's coming to an end season one because it's you really look back at everything you're like fuck like it's there's just been so much interesting stuff you've covered with people and it's well you've got me now for as long as you want yeah all access no no <laughs> holds no holds bar like you can you can ask me whatever you want. So. Yeah. So let me just ask you the most criminal thing you've ever done. No, I'm joking. That ain't the first question. <laughs> Do people know you're my cousin? First of all, we've got to establish that um, we're family. Yeah, it's funny. It's I never feel there's a genuine way to put it. The way it usually comes out with people is that they go to me. So what do you do for work? And I say, I work for the body coach. And they go, oh, okay, cool. And then they go, what's he like? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think he's great. <laughs> he's my cousin. And they're like oh okay that makes more sense because it's like you do get some weird questions where people people say like is he really that nice in person and what's he really like like they're expecting me to come out with some like massive secret yeah i think people have people have a perception of like yes celebrities and fame and what are they really like but i'm just i really am just who i am like this is you know on instagram or whatnot it's just people do have an illusion that oh he can't be like that or what's he really like or tell me what he's like you know is he is he a horrible boss? Yeah. Am, I a horrible, am I a good boss or no, I'm an entertainer? You're a great... I mean, you're a chilled out entertainer, aren't you? <laughs> Do you respect yeah. Joe, the man or the boss? Eva, Eva, next. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's, um, there's no hidden dark secrets. It's, you know... Not yet, but we will... are going to our stag deal on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll make as many... <laughs> we'll get as many dark secrets out there as possible. I'm getting married, cars. I'm getting married in two weeks. Mate. Well, it's less now, isn't it, really? It's like less than two weeks, days. yeah, I'm getting... God. So, stag do, then we're going to um, get, get get married. It's going to be a great, great year. And this year. is coming out on Oscar's birthday. July the 4th. July the 4th. There we go, Independence Day. Yeah, so celebrating on his little birthday. Um, right, let's go. Hit me up. What's your first question? So, first pro- question. Probing when, question. When did you first set up the body coach? I first set up the body coach, I think it was in... 2013 when I, I came back from traveling and I'd kind of done this amazing trip with Ted down the west coast and I said I've got to get into something now and I I just really had to channel my passion into something that I love and so for me it was always fitness always exercise and I sat down with a piece of paper one day and I wrote down all these words like what it meant to be healthy and fit and you know like the fitness guy the body coach and it yeah. just pops out and I was like that's it that's my name so I registered the domain I got all the Instagram Twitter yeah. handles and then I 
launched my personal training and bootcamp business. That's exactly how Bev, I came up with a name and she was like, it's a bit wordy and she goes, think of more. And I did the exact same process for this. I wrote about 80 different names down on paper and then I was walking home and it just hit me, the Gardens of Eden, Gardens of Eden. And I was like, oh, that's clever, Gardens of Eden, Garden of Eden. But it is funny how these things just kind of yeah, and it just, hit you, right? Yeah, it just sticks. Yeah, and that was my, that was my thing. It was never really knew it was going to become a brand. It was just yeah. like a local PT. Yeah. My name is Joe Wicks, the body coach. And I remember it had underneath it fitness, well-being and nutrition. Because I always thought of myself as, as someone who would work in different areas not just the fitness i wanted to kind of bring the holistic approach to it but yeah that's it that's the start of the body coach and then it all it all went from there yeah so when you first set it up what were what were like your initial hopes of it um well i remember thinking if i call myself joe wicks it was just like a personal brand that i couldn't really have anyone work for me so i always thought if i call it the body coach then one day i could have a nutritionist or i could have a yoga teacher or i could have um someone on mindset and have a kind of team i I always thought i'd one day have a team because what i realized pretty soon is when you're a personal trainer when you do get busy you hit a ceiling pretty quick you burn out pretty quick it's a young man's game you know you don't want to be getting up at 5am every week sorry every day and then out till nine o'clock at night it's quite antisocial because the hours that people want to train is when you know before and after work and at the weekend so I always had that vision of somehow building some kind of company but not to the extent that I did and I I definitely never had the vision of going on to do you know DVDs and books and TV and stuff yeah and one thing that is it's really natural for your interviews a lot of people want to cover what you're doing now and I I always question like do you remember the first time that something big happened with it and it was something you were like wow I can't believe that it's got to this and now you look back and you go that's hilarious because I do have one story and I'll let you get into it first but I have one story that makes me laugh thinking of that I think one of the moments that I really I really felt like I was doing bits was probably like when I went on Sunday brunch I think because that was a new audience and I've been working really hard with my content and putting up recipes but didn't really make I wasn't making much, I was making noise, but I wasn't getting much traction. Yeah. I went on there and I got like 10,000 followers instantly. So I had everyone talking about it and it kind of got a bit of traction and a few magazines featured me. So that was the start of it. It was a very, it was a gradual process. I didn't just wake up with 2.7 million followers. No. And so I dealt with it quite gradually. I didn't have to go, oh my God, all these people are following me. It was like, it was exciting. I was enjoying it. And, you know, I'd, I'd move on to the next thing. Like, all oh, right, I got off to do Good Morning Britain or This Morning. And yeah. they were really scary times. Like, I still struggle with live TV, but I always just feel like, you know, I believe in seeking discomfort and going out of your comfort zone to just put yourself in new situations. And the more you expose yourself to things like that that scare you, the better you become. And now I kind of, I can relax a little bit when I do them. Yeah, still- you do. There's a massive change in terms of, because I've watched well pretty much every tv appearance you've done and it is surreal kind of being like oh wow he has got a lot more comfortable what was the story you were thinking about it made me laugh so much i thought of it recently it was we were in the victorian suburban and i think it was me you and ted were watching some sort of chelsea game and you were just starting up the 90 day plan and i went to grab a drink and you were like luca mate and you said it in jest which makes it funnier now you were like, Luca, mate, I sold 10 plans this month. I'm absolutely rolling in it. And I, it made me laugh at the time so much. I was like, oh, God, I can't believe he's like... we Because that felt like a lot. When you were selling, like, multiple plans and everything, I was... And that was so early on, but it just yeah, makes it ex- me laugh, you know? It was exciting, and we used to... I celebrated. I used to think, oh, if only, you know, one person signed up to the plan, it would be amazing. And then the goal was, like, imagine if 10 people a day. And, and that was incredible. And then suddenly, you know, like Sunday brunch or something big in the press or yeah. a really great transformation. And then 100 people signed up in a day. 
And I remember thinking, imagine if a thousand people sign up one day, mm-hmm. and that happened. We did a January sale. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was a it was a Black Friday sale, and you know thousands of people signed up. So it was incredible to see that growth, that business that just it really really did go out. Of, it blew up, didn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. I think because the office got set up in. December 15, right? 2015. Yeah, 2015. So three years, over three was, years ago. And I remember that number one book, like we just, we wasn't ready for it in terms of, I guess the inquiries and, because that's what I was doing at the time. But that was, I, I feel like that was the big turning point, right? When book one came out. Yeah, the book just took me to kind of a, bit more of a household name because obviously Instagram is great but not everyone's on there and not everyone will engage with digital content. But when the book was out and people talked about it and there was a buzz about this is the book to get you in shape and you'll get a transformation. People just really, really got into it and it was phenomenal, the success of that book. And I still owe a lot of my success to that idea of Lean in 15 and that one simple you know, catchphrase and, and just me and my phone in Surbiton went on to become the second best-selling cookbook of all time, like behind Jamie Oliver. And Mental. I do... Um, I do forget just how many books there is because I was so used to it from such an early start. Like as soon as I, the book came out, it was it was going crazy. So now when I stop and think about it and I put it into perspective, into perspective, I'm like, wow, like what an achievement! It's amazing. Oh yeah, it is amazing. When did you first start going to the gym? I remember. So I I was never an overweight kid. I was always skinny, and I remember like Nikki used to all oh, my brother Nikki. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I hated was like skinny legs because you know when you're yeah. a guy and someone's telling you you've got skinny legs and I was just I was very skinny like I had no muscle no definition so I always used to have a bit of an insecurity around my body and I remember thinking as soon as I turned 16 I got a job in Wilkinson's in Epsom yeah. and I just joined up to Holmes Place in um, Epsom straight away it was a gym okay. yeah, yeah. and I used to go every day after school and didn't know what I was doing but I loved, loved the idea of it and I'd you know try and put on a bit of muscle and lift weights and stuff and just had this desire to want to kind of change my physique but yeah, because mainly because I just used to get called skinny and I hated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was 16 when I started training. And what did you enjoy about it when you first started going? I just liked knowing that I was getting fitter and I was hopefully building my body. But it took, I mean, it, took, it takes years to build up. But I do yeah. wonder what my physique would have been like if I didn't exercise. But I definitely, you know, sporadically like would lift weights and I'd do cardio. I, I had no idea about training progression yeah. and principles of training. I, <laughs> I just went in and tried to lift. I was mainly on the machines and... You know, just a skinny little dude trying to lift weights. <laughs> yeah, because when I went, I mentioned this earlier on the podcast, it was, I was a lifeguard. That was my first job, wasn't it? So I was at the Kingfisher and um, I was worried because it was such a, I was in such a skimpy outfit and I was quite skinny before I started going. So it was, I was trying to like build up my legs, my back, so I could look sort of somewhat filled out in the polo. Yeah, and the skimpy in the shorts, shorts. and tee, yeah. Um, I loved it. I used to be a lifeguard at David Lloyd, and I loved the, um, <laughs> I loved the outfit, because it's like, you felt like a proper lifeguard, didn't you? I, the thing is, yeah, I mean, yeah, the red shorts were so skimpy, and I had, my legs weren't skinny, but it was, it was the definition. Yeah, that was why I first got in the gym. It came to my mind, I've never asked you about why you first got in. Yeah, that's definitely one of the, one of the reasons, just wanting to kind of be stronger and a bit bigger, and I was always well skinny. I just I hated being skinny. Yeah, I'm still like tiny now, but I've got a bit of shape. I've worked hard. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Zero muscle, but I'm lean. <laughs> Before you went on to do rumble in the park and do the PT stuff, you did a you had a short stint as a TA. How was that experience? I actually always plan on becoming a PE teacher. So when I was younger, I really got on well with my teachers. One of the best things, well, one of the things I excelled in was PE. So I wasn't very academic. I couldn't, I really struggled with maths and English and science. I just wasn't that kind of focused and I didn't have a great attention span. But in technology, like things in my hands, like building and designing, I loved. And sport, where I was just active, I really loved. So 
I went to St Mary's to do a sports science degree and I thought before I go and try and become a teacher I'll work as a TA for a year and I loved it I mean don't get me wrong I enjoyed it I was in quite a tough school they were going under you know Ofsted they were under special is it special measures I think it's called for like okay they're being inspected and it was a tough school and um, I just found the whole thing difficult and I also thought I thought it was going to be an easy job being a teacher you think you get long holidays (laughs) it's like short days but that's just not the right motivation because the reason there's long holidays is because it's so exhausting, so stressful that yeah. you know teachers don't get enough credit for that. So I sort of realised after about a year of that that there's no way I could spend my life doing that and I didn't want to go into a career that I wasn't truly passionate about. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It's, um, yeah, that's the thing. Now I'm having friends that as teachers, I really feel for them. Yeah, it's Cause tough. Because as a student, industry. you never really... You just give them stick, don't you? And then... Yeah, and I bet it's even harder now like with the way kids are. I mean... Yeah. I always respected my teachers. I think now like, it's probably even tougher being a teacher. Yeah, because these kids know everything and they can find you everywhere. And, and what were you like growing up as a kid? I think if I look back to myself and think about myself as a kid, I, I was definitely hyperactive, you know, and that could have been down to my diet. It could have been down to just behaviour issues and stuff, but I was my diet was terrible. I mean, literally like relied on sugar and energy, <laughs> not energy drinks, but like fruit juice and chocolate bars and crisps and ready meals and frozen dinners it just wasn't great food it's pro- highly processed highly su- highly sweet sugary stuff so that may have affected my kind of attention span but i definitely struggled with focus like i'd be very um one day i'd want to be doing like karate then i'd be like yeah. dad i want to do roller skating and yeah. always <laughs> jumping around my attention span was really short right but i was i was a class clown i was just disruptive i just wanted to be funny all the time and make people laugh and you know, wanted the, to be centre of attention, so I was slowing people, like other people down in class and just annoying the <laughs> teachers, but not in a rude, nasty, kind of disrespectful way, but just, like, p- being silly, just try- yeah. wanting to be the class clown, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, because that's almost somewhat what you're like as a boss, which is the, the hilarious thing in terms of, like, you come in our office and it's instantly trying to make people laugh and... And even with Soccer Aid that's just gone on, honestly, when I mean we were dying, when you looked across the stand and you're waving at everyone, and then Zane, you looked at Zane and gave him the, like, rubbing the forehead thing. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, we were dying. Like, it's just, yeah, it's not hard to see knowing you now, like, as an adult, that you could have been that way as a kid. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely like that. <laughs> I just don't like to... I just want to want to be fun and just be you know relaxed not, not a boss that pressures people but yeah. you know also gets work done so yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone I, I think does a great job at the office yeah what have, you've spoken about it briefly before but what was your upbringing like growing up my upbringing was pretty mad I mean I know everyone has a, everyone to some extent has like dysfunctional families as you say but mm-hmm. you know my mum was mum left school at a really young, young age she left school at 15 so mm-hmm. she was pretty much like living on her own in a squat when she was 16 she had my brother Nikki at 17 she met my dad when she was 16 they had Nikki at 17 and she had me at 19 so she was if you think that's so young to be a mum and to not be educated you know she didn't have any qualifications so home life was mad and I talk about it a lot you know I don't have any resentment about my childhood although it is manic and my dad was in and out of rehab for drug drug addiction and I don't really look back and go, oh, it should have been this way, or why didn't he do this? And I'm just, I'm very much a positive, I look forward, I never look back. And I'm just like, what's my relationship today with my dad? Is it positive? You know, are we friends? And, you know, the answer is I learned through my dad's mistakes. You know, I, I stayed away from drugs. I didn't go down that path. I didn't, I didn't want to choose that life for myself or my family. 
So, yeah, I believe that you can obviously follow in the footsteps of your family or you can completely break the mould. Yeah. And me and Nikki just chose to, like, go the complete opposite direction. Like, we never went near drugs. We didn't like the idea of alcohol. You know, I didn't drink till I was probably 17, 18. And that's quite old when you're young. Like, most oh, kids get drunk. Us, yeah. Most kids get drunk, like, at 13, 14 yeah, nowadays, I think you know? I was at, like, 15, first house party. Yeah, so it was a mad upbringing. But, for, you know, house of love, it was never... Although there was shouting and swearing and it was a bit, you know, a bit mad, one thing I always had was love. I always felt loved regardless of like what was going on with my dad's addiction or my mum's, you know, OCD. My mum used to make us clean the house. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but she she had really bad OCD. So yeah, yeah. she'd make us hoover our room twice a day. We'd have to polish our room every day. Like It was like walking into an Ikea showroom. Right. Yeah. And so that was pretty hard. But again, that's kind of taught me really when I look back now, like I'm now quite a clean person. I'm tidy yeah. and I... Yeah. I look after my house and so these things that are a nightmare when you're young actually end up being life skills that you've been taught and you had that um, I really remember about your bedroom you had that funny bed didn't you which was in, in the house in Epsom which was um, like was a it, cabin. Like, it, it was in a cabinet it was right? like a bunk bed yeah it was like built into a cupboard so it's like a bunk bed kind of thing built into a cupboard and I had my TV at the end on a yeah, shelf yeah, yeah. and there was a curtain that went across yeah, yeah, and un- yeah. underneath with my clothes hanging because it was like a two bedroom <laughs> it was a three bedroom house but George didn't have a bedroom for the first few years so George he shared with Nicky right for a bit well he, he he had a cot in my room yeah. but he'd sleep between like my bed his cot my mum's room yeah, Nicky's yeah. room he, George is kind of a little transient he just jumped into the <laughs> bed whenever he felt like it and then we had Nanny Calf growing up as well, which was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, so we got obviously, so your mum is my auntie, and then we yeah. got the same Nanny nanny Calf, who is just lovely. And I've got so many funny memories of, I always think back to when we lived in a council flat in Water's Edge, when she, we would like, if we, we'd always run out of milk, you know, when you're yeah, young, yeah. you have no milk. So she would bring over like bottles of milk, and I remember Nanny Wicks bringing over bottles of milk, like glass, glass bottles of milk. Yeah, because you used to go on the milk flow, didn't it? Yeah, on the milk the flow. And I was in the, my mum used to wash me in the sink. Oh. And I've just got this weird memory of like Nan walking in and just putting fridge and putting some milk in the fridge. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it, that you remember these little things? Oh, yeah, because I remember taking George to the shop and her being like, don't give him any Smarties, it gets him really hyper and I'll get told off. So I'd have to like stop him buying Smarties at the shop and stuff. She's the worst really. of buying sweets. She, oh, she's, she's a joker, Even now, she still, when she comes around there, she still brings me a pack of Dime Bars because basically when I was 16, <laughs> I used to love Dime Bars. And she just like, it's stuck in her head that, oh, he loves Dime Bars. I'll get him some Dime Bars. <laughs> oh, mate, she was amazing growing up. But having Nikki throughout that kind of like dysfunction growing up, does it make it more special that now he's a part of the business and he's is as vital as he is? Yeah, I love that we work together. Our, you know, our paths crossed because he had a skill set and, you know, an amazing ability to kind of tell stories and communicate. And I was obviously doing my thing on Instagram. And I said to him, like, I need someone to help me. And I can't do it all on my own. So Nikki really, like, was like my community manager. He helped with yeah. some tweets and Instagram stuff because it was just going so fast. Um, and, yeah, Nikki's. I love I love working together. We, we've had, you know, times where we argue and disagree. But most of the time... We just we both see the vision of where we're going and what we want to do, and I love it. And you know, Nicky was a great brother. We argued mainly like from when we were teenagers. We obviously were like enemies. Yeah. And then when he went, tra- he went to Camp America for like six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, it was like that time apart. Really, he grew up, and I kind of matured. And then when we came back together, we were just inseparable. Really. It's so funny. You guys have gone and done so many different things. I think knowing that story and knowing that you guys ended up finding each other, it's like a it's almost like destiny like you guys didn't have a choice it yeah we like, had to yeah because who else would who else would do what Nicky does like I trust him implicitly like he he cares about my brand he wants me to do well like sometimes you just you can't you can't get that from like 
a random yeah, manager yeah. that comes along and so like my relationship with Nikki is is um is incredible and yeah we we have such a good time we're having fun like we're doing great things but we just have fun and that's the most important thing yeah and I think this is one question I really wanted to ask is that I would say he has the most impartial agenda in terms of he's the most aligned with you in terms of what you want for the body coach and how that matured but you've had several different voices and wanting to take you in different directions how challenging has it been or it might not be challenging but how has it been managing person A thinking that you should go and do that business venture and person B thinking you should do that and then you eventually having to come around to Nikki being like what should we do but how has it been to balance those different voices with your business well, I suppose every decision I've made, I've, I've made because it's something I've wanted to do myself. And I don't feel like I've made any mistakes, even with like brand partnerships or, you know, events or whatever. It might be the DVD or whatever you might look back at and think, was that the right decision? I, you know, the only people that really influenced my career is Nikki and Bev. And, you yeah. know, Bev's been my mentor, my manager, and Nikki's always been my brother forever. Yeah. But, you know, they're both different. They both have very different skill sets that are both so valuable to me at different times. And so, you know, working with Bev in the early days, like with... With, with mentoring me for one and just getting me to actually believe in myself and set goals was like I never had that I didn't have my mum and dad saying that to me saying mm. you can have a book deal one day like you can be on TV why not you know it's that why not why don't why can't you and mm. I used to always doubt myself so that was a really important part of the the process and when we were hiring staff and like getting the office you know Dave and Bev helped out with that and so these are things that I needed and I needed those skill sets and then obviously Nicky's really creative and his ideas and he sees things differently but you know, I still think it's good having two different personalities of different opinions. I'm not just like one or the other. I think I've learned from Bev a lot and I've learned from Nikki a lot. And so they're both really positive influences in, in where I've got to. And I don't look back on anything and think, oh, I should have done that better or I shouldn't have done that deal or what, you know, I shouldn't have rented the office. Like, I wanted that 100 man office. Yeah. I wanted to go into the US and Australia. I wanted to have a massive international company. Like, it didn't happen, but. It doesn't bother me. Like, I don't regret and think, oh, well, I, I could have saved all that money if I just didn't do that and went smaller and scaled as we went. But because we were moving fast and I believed oh, yeah. in it and I still I still think, you know, it's part of the journey. I've learned now that I don't want to have a 50 staff company. I don't want to have massive overheads and it's fine. Like I've learned from it and I now know to for, I'm forming partnerships where I can still have an amazing opportunity, but maybe not necessarily hire the people myself and let someone else assume that, that yeah. part of the business. Yeah, it is interesting because... I think the one thing that I've always noticed from your journey is that you've gone with decisions knowing that it's your decision. You've been empowered. I think it's been the best thing that people haven't gone, no, 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 just trust me. This is what you need to do. Because then you know either way that it's like, no, 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 that decision felt good for me. Yeah, instinctively, I, I just, I've always, I just know what's right and what's wrong. And sometimes, you know, you think, oh, but there's a massive opportunity there and it, it's going to pay really well, but it could damage the brand. And I, and I, I kind of know already, but sometimes, you know, Nikki or Bev will be like, mm, that, maybe that's not the right one. And so I always listen to their opinion, but I still believe that with, with, with or without those decisions, I, opinions, I'd still probably make the right decision. Like, yeah. I just know instinctively what's right and wrong. 100%. One thing that's happened, I guess, with your success and that kind of everything that's gone with the body coach, you've almost fallen into the role of like a provider with our side of the family, especially. Why was that important to you to provide for people in, along your way? And that's friends and family, really. Like, especially, I can be honest about my story. Like, you've been amazing for me, both financially and emotionally when it comes to investment. And um, why has that been important for you to be almost a provider for people around you? I think it's just a natural 
you know, I care about my family, I care about my friends, and, you know, when it comes to friends, if they need help, I'll support them. If they, you know, if we want to have these trips together and, you know, I can help it, make it happen, I'll do it, you know, without even thinking. And same with looking after Nan and Mum and Anna and, and Dad and Nikki and, and you and George. Like, it just it just feels right. Like, I want to... You know, I've had I've had such an amazing success story. I've been really lucky. I've had obviously sold a lot of books, and the, the online business is amazing. And I I couldn't honestly like I couldn't be sitting here with loads of money in the bank and seeing my friends my friends and family struggle. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm happier knowing I can help them a little bit. So, you know, if it's giving my dad some money to go and do a yoga retreat, or it's the, these little things that you know really make him happy, or help my mum you know with her house and do her garden it's like my mum's so house proud so for her to be able to do her garden and extend mm-hmm. her house and stuff like these are things that really make her happy so in the, in the in the process of of giving I actually get more out of it sure I if I didn't do that I'd have way more money in the bank at the end of the year and you could say oh Joe's really successful now there's this there's this much money next to his name but it is just a number in a bank and it doesn't make me any happier seeing everyone else travel the world for example like George is going to go travelling and I said look I really want you to explore the world when I was your age just all I thought about I just didn't have any money like I'll mm. give you the money go travelling just do it get it done yeah. and you know seeing everybody enjoy you know the house in America like, and have, have time out there and that really is what kind of makes me feel my happiness when I'm giving yeah. like at Christmas you know when I give you a laptop and stuff like yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't even bought my own self laptop for like three <laughs> years but when I gave you your one yeah. felt good for me because it's like I'm giving you something that is really it would take you months to save for but for mm. me obviously yeah. I can afford to do that and so it, it is a case of I actually get most of my joy from seeing other people not just like it's not about just giving gifts and presents it's like mm. taking a bit of pressure off you like and that's just natural like surely like we're it's about community. Like if you go back to before we had money and before we used to work for, for like material things, that like we just took care of our community. Yeah. So you are my community. You are my you are my family. Like, and it's just been very natural. And I don't ever like do anything with resentment or mm-hmm. I'm not like oh, I wish I didn't do that. Why did I do that? It's, it's always from a loving place. Yeah, and it's it's just interesting because obviously I'll never ever experience anything different in terms of having someone reach the level of success in family that you you have and so I don't know any different outside of you being generous but there are probably stories where people are just like no like I'm not giving you that like or you know have this detachment from their family when they get rich and famous and you've been so great in you know the complete other way I just feel like generosity is a good thing and it you're giving some you're spreading like look it's less if you want to describe the wealth like you're spreading the wealth because why Why do I need to have loads of money in the bank and then see my mum and dad struggle and see everyone else, you know, really struggling? Dad's a roofer, isn't he? Like, dad yeah. don't earn, um, my dad yeah. don't earn much money. So if I can help him out with his stuff and let him see the world and travel a bit more and, and, and do the things he loves, like, I'm, I'm constantly pushing dad to, like, you know, you don't want to be on a roof forever. Yeah. Go and train, do something else, do yoga, like, push yourself. And, and so by give, I can give you all that freedom if, this thing, if you want to explore something. Because mm. a lot of people obviously are held back in life because... You get into the routine of the, of the work life and you're obviously you're working to pay your rent and you want to save money and therefore you might put off doing something else because you can't afford to do it. And so I just love that I can give anyone an opportunity if they, if they wanted, like you, I've said to you, like if there's any, if you wanted just to stop and just go and study, yeah. like, I'll do that for you because if it's going to get you to where you want to be, that's going to make me super happy. Yeah, yeah, no, you've been, yeah, you've been amazing for me in terms of, you were great for me growing up anyway when, you know, the financial stuff wasn't even a part of it, but... And it's hard for people to, to like, it's hard for everyone so far. I've always struggled to take the money. Yeah. And they're like, how, you know, I'm your dad. Why well, I shouldn't be taking money off you. But it's like, yeah. you raised me. Like, you, you, you brought me into the world. And now, like, 
I'm just doing my bit to help you out. Like, if it makes me feel happy, take it. Don't question it. Don't be like, oh, I'll pay you back or I, I can't do that. And it's like, I'm doing it because I want to. And if I ever offer it to you, it's like, it's going to be, you know, because I want to and I love you. Exactly. One thing that I've noticed from the job I have at the moment with social media is that you get some DMs. And I think people, when they think of your DMs, I think they immediately go to these like really outrageous, like I guess sexual in nature ones, you know, because you've been someone, you know, have been like a heartthrob of the media and everything. But I think the craziest DMs in terms of ones that surprise me the most are these very deep, emotional, really layered stories that people have gone through and seek you out, I guess, for help, guidance, emotional relief. Um, What's that been like? I mean, it's intense. So just just for the the audience out there, so Luca is my um, you know community manager, and he basically helps me with my social media accounts. So I've got three and a half million on Facebook, I've got yeah. two point seven on Instagram and Twitter, and it's it's a lot to keep up with. But Luca sees a lot of the content that comes in, and obviously together, you know, we keep an eye on things. And I reply to some of the really heavy, heavy stuff because with me, I think they see they see me as um someone who's approachable and relatable and so if i send a message back like i normally do voice notes because it's yeah, quicker right. and it's they can see it's me and it's genuine and i and i love that and it's but it's draining because if you send a message back to someone about anything whether it's about an eating disorder or a relationship they've come out of you know and you reply once you can never shut the door in their face and that's mm-hmm. what i feel like when someone instagram dms me they're reaching out and saying joe like, i really need you right now can i just have your support i need your attention just give me 20 seconds of your time and if I, if I ignore that and just swipe by it's like me slamming a door in their face yeah. so I see the value in, in replying and I and I also really I enjoy it I enjoy making someone like someone will message me saying you know I'm so out of shape I'm, I'm so depressed I just can't do it I really don't want to carry on or whatever it might be you know I and I can send them a nice little 30 second message that completely changes their mindset and gets them feeling positive and they go and do a workout they yeah. feel positive and then I, then they message me a month later Joe I've done every I've done every workout every day for a month like so I'm saying things that are really making a difference so it's never a nuisance it can be a bit intense because some of the things you're like I don't know how to deal with this what you're asking me and what you're what you're what you're saying to me sometimes it's about physical abuse from a relationship or um you know trauma from childhood that's made them emotional eaters and stuff and i'm not experienced in that so i have to just i listen and i think about my reaction my my response before i send it and i just always answer with compassion and and understanding and just say look you can you know you can make a decision right now and i believe in you and when someone a stranger who's never met you says that it's really powerful maybe more than like their own family because it's like if Joe's saying that and he believes in me what a lovely response and they're so grateful that you respond they're not used to it they're not Mm -hmm. they never even think you're going to read the message so it's very intense and I now block out time so rather than do it all day throughout the day I'll flag the ones that are really really kind of deep and intense and I'll just sit down for two hours in the evening or in the morning Mm -hmm crack them out and send them all out and then that's me doing my good bit of work that's me making other people like really feel happy so i love it I and really i think do. it's i think you're like what you're like a one percenter in terms of people that actually do it because you know i'm not i haven't got a massive following but then when i instagram dm someone and get a response it's like such a surprise that you'd never ever expect it does even me i get excited and i'm not really a celebby person or but, you know, if it's someone's podcast I listen to and I go, you've done a great episode and they're just... Something as simple as, like, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Like, you're like, Jesus, like, I can't believe they looked at, like, the message. Cause, but then I look at what we do and it's like, well, we make a real effort 
to get back to people you know yeah, as massive. much as we can look at that story of the guy you know the personal trainer that reached out to 20 of his favourite Instagram influencers yeah. from 10,000 people up to two and a half on my, my Instagram account and no one replied to him all I'd done was sent him a 30 second audio note giving him some tips and advice and he wrote a blog about it like you know that I was the only one that replied and that that's just in my nature because I, I love men I love the idea of mentoring although I can't do one-to-one mentoring I will get questions from PTs or people that are setting up boot camp or you know mums that want to just give up their job and do it and I'm like yeah why not like don't forget forget what your husband thinks forget what your kids think you can do it and 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 I've really like inspired a lot of people to go into the fitness industry which I love so that's an example of I'm not getting anything in return I don't I'm not trying to sell them my plan or my book or the gusto recipes or my protein protein powder I'm just giving them something I'm giving them a little spark of positive energy and positive love because you know along on social media it can just be very negative and people don't want to give they just want to get 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 Mm -hmm. and that is just so valuable and the reason I continue to grow the reason I've still got you know growth in my following and and I've still got people that have followed me for five years because I'm I am the reality is you can send me a DM you can send me a DM and I'm like I'm I'm gonna definitely read it and it's a very high high possibility that I'm gonna reply to it and so people people really like that connectivity and you don't get that with traditional you know TV celebrities and stuff like that no not at all I actually want to read a post that I saved for the next question and I'm going to read the caption. Is this my caption or who wrote the caption? You wrote the caption and it's definitely you. It's that photo. So oh, I'm the day that jo- I announced um, I was having a baby. Yes. With Rosie, so, yeah. Got, I'm holding up the photo of the little scan, the ultrasound yeah. thing. And it's you and Rosie. Shall I read it or do you want to read it? How about you read it? It's in my notes. Oh, <laughs> so this is when I posted this on the 13th of May, 2018. Yeah, dug it out. Right, so... Hey everyone, I'm going to be a daddy. This is the first time I've ever shared a photo of myself with Rosie. I've always chosen to keep my personal life and relationship private, but with such an amazing new thing coming into our lives, I thought it would be nice to share the news with you myself. We are both absolutely buzzing to be parents. We don't know the sex of the baby, but it's due in just over 10 weeks' time. Hashtag the baby coach coming soon. <laughs> 380,000 likes. I mean, ridiculous engagement, first of all. And 9,000 comments. That's a barn burner. That's got to be yeah. one of my most liked posts. I think posts. it might be the most liked. It's either that or the one of you with Indy. Oh, when I, oh, when I first held her, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's a lovely photo. I love that. I really... Yeah, because I, I, I kept Rosie quite private before that point, And now I just uh, and love exa- her, don't I? And the question I wanted to ask was, how did you find it being more open about your private life? Because you have always been quite private. Well, I was in a relationship for a long time. So when I was 19, I went backpacking in Australia mm-hmm. and I met a Swedish girl who I was with for 10 years. And, you know, that relationship kind of, you know, came to a natural end. So when I was with Rosie, I just I just felt like it was more like I didn't want to be like up on Instagram sharing loads of pictures of a new girl. And I just felt like I wanted to keep it private for as long as I could. Yeah. And so that was really my main my main concern and then you you know I went on like Good Morning Britain and got ousted by Piers Morgan didn't I because he oh, was like God. he was like well are you going out of anyone or not you know you live your life on Instagram just tell us are you seeing someone so I was like yeah I'm seeing someone and that was the first time I mentioned it in public but I just felt like I didn't want my Instagram to be like a couple's goals thing and mm-hmm. all about me and Rosie so now obviously as time's gone on and I announced the baby it's there's such a big part of my life it's very difficult not to share pictures and videos of me and Indy and so I, I love it. I'm still I'm still not doing interviews of Hello Magazine and I'm not doing reality shows and going on red carpet events, but I'm quite private, but I also like people knowing that I am in a relationship with someone yeah. I really care about and we have got this baby and, and it's, you know, it's a huge part of my life. So yeah, I st- I'm still, it's sparing. It's still like, 
It's all way more food and fitness. Oh, for I'd say sure. it's 10% Rosie and Indy. Yeah. Apart from obviously the other Instagram, which is my new Weaning 15 one. That's obviously yeah. 100% Indy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel good. And the rea- to be honest, the reaction, I, I was I was concerned as well, not just for upsetting you know my previous girlfriend, but I didn't want to have any like negative comments. I thought people yeah. were going to dig Rosie out or dig me out and say you know this and that and why are you with her or why is she with you and I just thought rather than I didn't want to expose her to it just in case but there was never a negative comment no it was more in my head I was concerned about it but everyone's like, oh well you know she's lovely we're really happy for you so the, the majority of the people in fact everyone was just so supportive and positive and once I knew that was fine then it kind of it kind of made me just think oh it's okay I can share a few things now and again yeah and how has that transition been from going you you were doing food and fitness for say five years and how was it that transition from getting you know responses to your workouts and fitness and then when you were you were really open about your parent experience with India especially early on yeah um, how was it that transition from getting people talking about workouts and food and then people talking about being a parent yeah so much of it now is about oh what's Indy wearing I love her headband <laughs> yeah, yeah. why isn't she sleeping oh I've got a tip for you with a weaning you know so there's, yeah. it has changed and that's why I like to split it into the, I've split it and I've split the uh, Instagram so I've got the body coach the main one mm-hmm. and I post the odd bit on there but mainly most of the content around Indy is on the weaning 15 account so it is different the narrative changed but I'm a family man and I love I like showing people that life doesn't like end when you have a baby or it's not like oh you can't do the things you love I think there's this fear that in men and, and young women that when you have a baby it's just game over you can't eat out you can't go for dinner you can't go to the cinema you can't go on holiday but I'm showing to people that you can it's amazing and having a third will having your best friend with you is just the best like it's it only great. gets better and she's great it, I think that's been nice as well that watching her little personality develop she's just so much fun right oh she's a joker she she's just my little spark like I just love <laughs> in the morning I go up and see her and she pops her head over the top of the cot and I just I can't stress to to guys and girls out there who are like thinking oh I'm not ready I'm not ready yet. you know is it for me it's just the most incredible thing like being a parent and seeing your child grow and she's almost one it's crazy how fast it's gone mm-hmm. but it's beautiful like this is what really we're here for when you think about everything else in life whether it's succeeding in, in, in work or your career what we're really here is to love and to grow a family and to and to nurture that and look after each other and that's that's when you realise like what we're really here for and why having a baby is just the most beautiful thing and you never really understand until you've got a kid but it is it's like you just become very content you become very calm or me in, in personally I, I've become very calm and content in thinking that you know I'm really happy where I am in my life and I'm very ambitious still but I'm also really really happy that this is like the greatest thing and I now want more kids that's my that's my goal do you think Oscar being born and being your first nephew do you think that opened your mind to being a dad more Oh, there's no doubt in my mind that when, when Nikki had Oscar, that really just kind of turned the light on in my head that I thought, this is wonderful. I've seen Nikki and I can see how he interacts with him and I'd go around and give him the, his bottle and, and bath before bed and it just made me think, this is amazing. And I was so in love with Rosie at the time that I said to her, look, I think I'm ready. Like, I I'm, I'm really want to have a baby with you and it happened so quick. You know, she, she fell pregnant within like one month of coming off the pill. So wow. you sort of think, oh, it would take a year, it would take six months <laughs> and then bang, like we, we were pregnant and straight away like Indy came. Yeah, because I... Um that was for me anyway from an outsider's perspective that was I could see it in you developing like 
before I'd never ever thought that you might have kids as silly as that sounds I just didn't picture it ever yeah because I was putting Oscar on my Instagram a lot wasn't I because I was yeah. like so excited and proud well, to be around well people thought him. he was yours at some point didn't they because was, he was on there a lot wasn't he early on yeah it was amazing I definitely learnt I learnt through that just to see that you know Nicky was still super fun just the yeah. same yeah. he just had a little baby when he went home and was like hanging out and being a cool dad so it definitely I think being an uncle or an auntie is is a real insight into like what's it going to be like and it's, it's really yeah. fun <laughs> um well, that means you're next, doesn't it? That means you're next for the baby. You're in TBC on that. I think I'm looking at George and praying that he ends up knocking one out before I do. Do you ever get to be reflective about your journey with the BC? I, ha- I have been recently because I think when I was travelling and I was away for the month of April and like Nikki was in America and I was in Costa Rica and I kind of had this moment where I was like, this is amazing, like we're we're in America and we're traveling with our families, like living the dream that we want and we still have an amazing business that's still ticking over and that was a kind of nice moment where I thought, I'm really proud that we've created that, that mm. I can be on my phone in Costa Rica working, Nicky can have his laptop and we can ki- still keep everything going, everything moving and we had an amazing summer sale, we, you know, 10,000 people signed up to the plan, it was like mm. one of our best months so it is an incredible thing to think that we've created this business where we get to enjoy enjoy our lives in the present moment that we're in but also like secure our future and know that you know we're not we're not sacrificing anything at the same time it's like a really really lovely place to be and we're, we're super content and you know the books is amazing like i've got obviously another book coming out next year and mm-hmm. it's just exciting because i've done so much in such a short time but my my vision is now like how can i stay relevant for the next 10 years where can i be in 15 years you know i don't want to just be a flash in the pattern and th- that's kind of three years and done like, i think my mission and my legacy is going to be way longer than that and way way bigger and way into the future yeah because mm-hmm. when i was thinking of the questions to ask you is i naturally have to go through this whole journey of you as the body coach and you know moments like the world record like i cried so much when it when they said the number did you yeah of course because it was close um, so close like by 100 wasn't it yeah it was really close and of course my mind had immediately i was started crying and it was like oh god i remember like you know rumble in the park and go in there and you know joe being like oh god no one came it was raining and and all of it and it makes me so introspective like thinking about your journey and it but of course you're so forward being naturally ambitious and i can be like it you're so forward thinking that sometimes i always like i thought about it and i was like i wonder if joe ever gets the opportunity to look back and realize like wow the business was at this point like three years ago the business was at this point not long ago and I definitely felt the same emotion on the Guinness World Record so the Guinness World Record was in Hyde Park and yeah. we did the world's largest outdoor hit session which was unbelievable was, like four, was it 4,000 people or something Four hundred. yeah because not everyone got counted because of the, the rules they had but yeah it's about 4,800 I think and I was there and it was like really like epic scene to just look at and see all these people that were exercising and then yeah like I did have a little moment where I thought you know two or three years ago like I was struggling to get five people to my boot camp right. and it was an amazing experience and the journey I've gone on. So yeah, there's little moments that kind of take me back. Yeah, yeah. And when I tell the story about, you know, the boot camp and starting off in the early days, like, you know, I've, I've, I've had so many times like I've cried on TV or I've cried on the radio or doing public speaking because it does, bring, it brings a wave of emotion, but a positive feeling, a happy feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where yeah, I was like, 100%. that was tough and no, not many people realise how hard it was in the beginning and even with social media, like, no one was listening to my videos no one was watching my YouTube channel and rather than to give up because 200 people watched a video or 100 people I would be like no I'm going to just do one every week for the next 12 months and now I've got two and a half million people a month watching it Mentally. you know and it's there's there's obviously 
my personality is is one thing and the way I deliver my content, but it is still combined with hard work and consistency. Like every week, Nikki coming around. All right, we're going to film. My hips really sore. I really don't want to do it. Oh, let's just do an abs one. Let's just do a ten minute one. Like, <laughs> all right, I'll do it and I'll do it. And I yeah. so and that's graft, mate. That's three hundred videos in like a year and a half because. I wanted to build my channel and so I apply every the, the same principles to everything just you know keep going back keep keep it going don't give up it will grow if you keep believing in yourself and that's what I've done with Instagram with Facebook it's the same with my YouTube channel and it, it's the same with the schools thing I'll keep doing it until every school in the UK has done one of my workouts yeah I've got anybody that's witnessed you do like a three a day like before a holiday I remember you, you were doing three a days and you had to do I want to say you had to do like maybe 12 workouts in a week oh I did the uh, film the graduate plan one yeah. night. I was exhausted and just looking at you at like workout 3 and just like knowing I'm like he's, he's functioning on like 20% and faking it like in terms of faking the energy that he doesn't really have it but this workout still needs the same sort of energy like you still need to have the upbeat tempo like yeah I can't when I, when I turn that camera on no matter how I'm feeling I just have to be like no block it out yeah. just crack on give someone a good workout so yeah it is, it is challenging and the main issue is my hip I've got this injury that I'm struggling to get rid of but apart from that like I genuinely love the exercise but yeah when you're doing those busy weeks of filming content it's pretty intense it's tiring one thing that you did somewhat recently was you wrote yourself a letter to your younger self for Holly Tucker's podcast, right? Yeah, Holly Tucker's the CEO and the founder of um, of Not on the High Street, so a huge company. Which, again, she grew from her bedroom with her friend, and then in a garage, and they were selling a few products. And now it's like a you know multi multi million pound company. And I loved her story. And we we got together, and she said one of the things I asked my guests is to write a letter to their former self. So I chose my twenty five year old self. Right. What drew you to that age in particular? the 25 year old self was my quarter life crisis right. where me and a friend we were both going through it we came out of university with a sports science degree we didn't want to be sports scientists we couldn't be teachers because we didn't have the extra like graduate graduate training program or whatever, the PGCE and so like we were just a bit lost and you know I'd go I remember just like going online to look at jobs thinking I don't have that I don't have that qualification I don't have that certificate or that experience and so it's like I felt super helpless and really lost really confused and it was a really really tough time like I genuinely remember just waking up and I was also in a relationship that I wasn't truly happy in and so I felt very very alone and you know like you wake up with a clat and for no reason I just wake up feeling sad and I remember feeling really low and thinking what's going on like why do I feel like this and so my 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 kind of answer was always to just go traveling, right. go and have some fun, go and explore the world, like save up a thousand pound, go to Barcelona for a month or go traveling in America, you know, do something. And that was all my, always my kind of getaway. But then eventually I realized that isn't always, it's, it works to an extent, but you still feel just as sad and lonely on, on the trip. It doesn't matter where you are. Right. If you're not, if you're not working towards your goals or you're not setting yourself challenges, then you're just running away and it doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was really interesting you reading it out and I remember yeah I just remember that being because then I ended up doing it for myself and doing it as a blog but I wrote one to my 20 year old self yeah I read your one I loved it yeah it's a good it was, it's a good process going through it because yeah, you can write process. a positive thing about yourself or negative but ultimately and I really believe in this you know everyone says look life ain't supposed to be easy it's about ups and downs and there's no mistakes it's just yeah. lessons and all that yeah. it's so true because the reason you are who you are is because of all the times you cried, all the times you got angry, all the times you felt lonely, mm-hmm. all the times you got rejected for jobs and 
turned down whatever by a girl. It's like all these things that we go through, they're little layers that just kind of eventually become lessons that you, you look back and go, oh, I can deal with that now. I've, I've felt that feeling of rejection before. I've, I've felt that feeling of success. And it is, life is about that. And I think, I think it'd be so boring if you lived your life knowing that everything just happened straight away and there was no, no hardships and no, no challenges. I think the reason I'm so grateful is because I've really worked hard yeah. to get where I am. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, I got turned down for Sainsbury's on the checkout and as a rest and as a waiter at Las Iguanas before I got the job with you. Really? Yeah. And you got turned down for Love Island three years in a row, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Love Island. No, I actually, I actually got turned down for Take Me Out. But oh, did you apply for Take Me Out? I yeah, when I that. was when I was very boozy at uni. I mean, that's a story for another day. But had an audition for what that. did you drink at ten- uni i didn't know that yeah i know it's shocking isn't it um <laughs> got a degree in drinking didn't you yeah yeah that was the only degree i ended up getting yeah you've been one thing i've noticed about you that not a lot of people are great for is you've been great at introducing different people on your platform so i mean we don't have to bring up names but you've been great at introducing people whether it's through your instagram whether it's for your youtube and doing like dual content yeah, like, um, like collabs and stuff, yeah. Yeah, like... Mo Farah, he's one. Yeah, Mo Farah, <laughs> who's also, you know, soccer aid buddy now, isn't he? Has that been a conscious decision for you to make to bring people along on your journey? It's mainly because I want to give out... I, I like to give out content. Like I'm not an expert in yoga, you know, I'm not an expert in mobility and mo- movement and kind of meditation. So, you know, like Natalie, that obviously used to work with us, she she done a meditation course and she done yeah. some great videos on meditation. And we had Richie, the Strength Temple, uh-huh. who done some stuff on mobility and stuff. And it's just because I want to put my a diverse range of content on my channels. And, you know, even Faisal, like Faisal done some workouts with me and Ben Davies, who used to work with me. Yeah. And they're all great, you know, and it's just nice to give my channel a little bit of something different just to test it out see yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and they did well I, I think people do obviously tend to like want my workouts but it was a, it was a good journey to see what responds well what reacts well and how how people kind of engage with it but i i love seeing other people succeed and if i can give them a little bit of a boost like you know go for it and do you wish that the fitness industry as a whole was a bit more like that a bit more collaborative yeah when i think back to like the some of the trainers i used to meet i only really met one trainer no, sorry, two trainers who were like open to like giving you tips and advice and kind of mentoring you. And one of them was this guy called Stu, who used to work at David Lloyd in Kingston. And he said to me once, like, look, you know, you're doing well, well but you're, you're struggling. You're, you're pulling yourself all over the, over London. You're driving to like central London. You're getting a tube to Notting Hill. And it's like, why do that? He's like, just smash it on your doorstep. Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, what a great, what a great thing to think like that because all I needed was ten clients in Surbiton and Kingston, and I was busy, yeah. and I was happy, and I had a good lifestyle. So that was one piece of advice. And another trainer used to give me tips on, you know, how to kind of um, do social media and how to engage with clients. And but then you'd also meet trainers who just weren't very collaborative. You wouldn't share anything with you. It's like, well, I know what I'm doing. This is how I do it, and I'm not going to give you any information. But that doesn't get you very far, you know. I've, I, I think the more collaborative you are, the more you lean on each other as a network you can yeah. become, like i used to pass clients on to people if i was busy whereas if you come across someone who's n- not giving you good vibes or just doesn't want to talk to you then why would you recommend them clients when when they're when they when you're busy and they you're just going to pass them to someone else yeah i completely agree right i want to play a game that i haven't played with any of the people so far but i think you're probably the best person to do it with i'm going to call it relive keep and ditch okay. and it's like snog marry avoid have you heard that game yeah yeah snog marry avoid yeah um you get to relive one of the memories, you get to keep one of them, and you've got to lose one of them. Okay, and you're giving me three, yeah? I'm giving you three. The world record at Hyde Park. Yeah. Soccer A 2018, and a hit on the pitch. 
Oh, I'd relive the um, I'd relive the Hyde Park hit session. Yeah. I would. Is it keep keep, keep one forever? Yeah. That you remember it. That you you keep that memory forever. Oh, I'd say Soccer 2018. Yeah. And I'd ditch the hit on the pitch. Right. Okay. Only because like the hit on the pitch was great. I did a workout yeah, yeah, on Stamford yeah. Bridge, but playing like at Old Trafford with it was like, savage, wasn't it? Yeah, with ninety thousand fans like that for me was. <laughs> was the ultimate keeper and I, but the thing is I've just done it this year and I know I want to do it next year so I'm just like yeah. living the dream it's, I'm one of the gang now and I so they've invited oh, yeah. me, they've invited me back which Mate, is super exciting I mean Lee Mack has big time let the team down with that cross at the back post I know if that was anyone else they would have banged that in yeah and all we have to do is I feel like all we have to do is practice penalties and we're good to go now yeah practice penalties and just get my fitness up again because I was blowing I was 30 minutes <laughs> in I was like I was exhausted man I mean that 50-50 with Essie and I was like oh god he's going to feel that that yeah when, he when you both foot. <laughs> I won the, did I win the ball though didn't I win the ball yeah, later no, yeah you lay, you played it almost under him and it went through to Joe Cole didn't it yeah that's it that's just passed it on yes. <laughs> I might watch it back actually because I haven't seen it yet mate you played really well honestly oh, thanks dude everything you did was smart it weren't like you did anything stupid in terms of it was like get the ball play the smart pass yeah I, I mean, had, I had Roberto Carlos and Essien to get past I thought if I get anywhere near they're going to snap me yeah. and I'm just not going to get the ball so I just <laughs> thought look up pass it yeah and you, yeah, you hit every pass and but yeah and it's just the penalty and we get we, penalties are easy mate we'll work on those me definitely and you. what was that feeling like so you walk out at Hyde Park first of all it was boiling wasn't it it was like the hottest day that summer wasn't it it was super hot and there was like we invited 5,000 people but I knew they didn't all get in and then like they were saying that everyone that takes part has to um, complete the workout if they don't they don't get scratched off the list so yeah. it was like really close to the wire and I remember I came out when I brought Oscar out and I that looked, was it because a lot of people stopped didn't they because they were taking photos of him Oh, is that why I got in trouble for the... Not in trouble, but that's why they said we got to work out for like another minute. You had to do another round, didn't you? Oh, you had to do another round because I was so excited to bring him out. And um, it was just wonderful. Like the sun was shining. It was in London. I had all these people that travelled from, you know, close by, but also really far away. Some people flew from Ireland to take part. Some people came from like Scotland and and, like the South Coast. They came from like Brighton and Portsmouth. They came miles away to take part. And I felt this energy amongst the crowd like... They were there to help me break a world record, yeah. and I was there to see them exercise and see them move and feel happy. And it was just amazing. It was like a massive celebration. Mm. We did a big cheer at the end. So it was my record, but it's also our everyone's record because without everyone there, you know, it wouldn't have happened. And without the adjudicators and all the people that helped and you know the PR around it, it was just incredible. And that's why I'd love to relive it. Yeah, and I guess the most comparable feeling potentially from my perspective is you've now done two tours for schools here with the first one being from you started in Edinburgh right finished up in Bournemouth yeah we went all the way from um, Scotland right down to the south coast how many schools was it it was 17 schools over five days I mean when I think about that how did we get to 17 schools in five days the logistics and planning was mental and the hotels were brilliant as well that you booked for us. Yeah, I was listening to the documentary earlier and I was like, I've got a couple of shout-outs. Oh, have you seen it? Have you listened to it? I, only bits and bobs because they're editing it at the oh, moment. Nick and, Dom. And Nick and Dom were editing it today. but Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, you can see on my story as well just how much fun I'm having. And going into the schools and seeing all the kids like screaming like I'm some pop star. It's really <laughs> surreal. But I think because I'm a YouTuber... And I'm obviously on I'm on their screen, I'm on their TV at home or on their projector at school. They just get excited about it and they think, right. wow, this is really different. We're, you know, we're, we're out of class and we're doing a workout with a YouTuber. They just really engage with it. And so that's kind of my massive, my massive mission now is to how can I 
how can I scale that and, and get every single school in the UK doing my workouts? Yeah, it, oh, watching some of them. And the thing is, when kids get excited, they're so like uninhibited, right? They're so free. It's not like they're like, oh, I don't want to look silly. Like they are just like fully into it, aren't they? Yeah, they don't hold back. I mean, I went into an all boys school and I thought they'd be a bit more chilled, but they were screaming like a bunch of. Oh, like, in Ireland, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were like a bunch of, well, screaming like One Direction fans. Yeah, it was yeah, hilarious, yeah. and I just thought it's so funny. But I've realised I've got this amazing opportunity to really influence positively, like all these kids, and get them thinking about exercise, get them moving, and seeing the relationship between like fitness and fun and just feeling good. So whenever I says to me what's next, I just keep saying schools, yeah. schools fitness, school workouts, more content. You know, getting getting as many schools involved because that's going to really create real change and really make a difference to people's lives. Yeah. Do you find it funny that you had your stint as a TA and realised it wasn't for you, and now you find yourself one of your missions being back in school, almost like a you know a rent a PT PE teacher almost. You're still you're filling that role but in such a different capacity like do you find it weird that that's kind of that you've found your way back in that sense it's, I've come full circle haven't I from being from wanting to be a PE teacher to going to university you know working as a teaching assistant going off and doing my thing as the body coach and yeah I've become a P, I've become a PE teacher to tens of thousands of kids in a week and obviously more online so it just goes to show that we're always drawn back to our passions and what we love and it, it is making me happy like there's, I'm not being paid to do the schools thing there's no brand associated with it I'm going around the country it's self-funded and I'm running in and out of these schools and I'm by the end of the day I'm exhausted and I get up again and I do it all again and I turn up and give them a really great experience because this is what is giving it's like like I said with the DMs on Instagram it it's the energy that it makes me feel good it makes me feel happy it kind of re-energizes me and keeps me focused and it, keep, it keeps my ego in check it keeps my whole mission in line and it's just I've got such a clear vision that's one of the things I'm I'm so relaxed and confident and content with where I am and where I'm going to go because I've got such a clear vision. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's undisputed. My, my idea, my goal, my vision is just so clear that I know there's n- I know I can't fail because I'm here to do a good thing and there will be other challenges along the way but ultimately people are so warm to the idea of it because they want, they want their kids to be healthier and, mm-hmm. and people want, want someone that's going to inspire so this is why I know that I'll still be doing this in years to come. Yeah. What are your hopes going forward for your career? My hopes going forward for my career is that I continue to stay on this track of, you know, a clear vision and making an impact to, to children and, and mums and dads and anyone who's enjoying my content and just to keep keep pushing it forward because we are in a position where our kids need inspiration, you know, and they need to be inspired. I, I love it so much, the schools thing, that I, I want to be remembered in five to ten years' time. I, when you look back and people say, oh, what did Joe Wicks do? You know, what, not just, oh, how many books did he sell or how many followers have on Instagram like I'd love to be remembered as as the person who got Britain's children fit again yeah that's the truth and I think I could do that I think if I carry on with what I'm doing and you know working in the right direction and putting in the effort you know it will get the, it, the schools thing will grow and grow and it will become a just like my YouTube channel grew or my Instagram if I keep doing these tours which I will yeah. I'll, I will end up travelling to every single part of the country I know it yeah and that would be amazing What are you, what would your advice be for people that are looking to chase a dream, they're looking to pursue their goals, what would your advice be for them? The biggest thing you need to do is believe in yourself. I think the moment doubt comes in or limiting self-beliefs where you just think, oh, it's too late, I can't do that, or I haven't got the skills, or I'll, I'll never be good at that because of this and that, then you're you're doomed straight away. Like You could have everyone in your corner saying, 
it's not a good idea stick to what you're good at go back to university or study this or you know you should be you should be a doctor because you're really good or you're really smart you should you know whatever it might be it's it's just important that you believe in yourself and your vision and what you want to achieve and one thing I will say and I've learned this so quickly that you know don't let your decision about your career just be about money because I know some people in really great jobs you know earning good money but they're not happy because they're in a job they don't like or they're commuting to like three hours a day to get to work and it's so important I know it's difficult in the world we live in because we are it's so measured by how much money you earn, what what mortgage you can afford, what holidays you can afford, and the clothes you wear, and all this stuff. But I truly believe that if you strip all that away, when it comes down to it, when you wake up in the morning and go to bed at night, it's like if you're doing something you love, the monetary value attached that doesn't really make a difference. And that is an important thing. I know it's really hard to get your head around because you might not wake up with a passion and think, this is what I want to do, and I'm so clear of that. But it's a case of just trying out different things until you really find your passion until you think I love this this is making me feel good I mean when I was a personal trainer I made no money for the first two years but I still loved it I still loved being outdoors I loved meeting people and interacting so I I knew that if I just kept doing it and getting good at it you know obviously you get rewarded and you end up earning a bit more money but it was never my intention to like do Instagram and, and go and make this money from what I'm doing I ultimately just love helping people and it gives me a lot of satisfaction and it's the reason I can stay out really late doing Instagram or can do my workouts and I'm exhausted and and really keep pushing it forward because it does make me really happy and I'm just fortunate I've made a career out of it but yeah as cliche as it sounds you you really should follow your passion and what you love I completely agree right we've got the final four questions but beforehand because I usually forget this can you please plug where everyone can find you okay so if you haven't followed me and you want to know where i am i've got my instagram account and my twitter and my facebook is all the body coach and i've got a youtube channel called the body coach tv which is where you'll see all my workouts so there's lots of free free content and it's just like no equipment no excuses so plenty of inspiration out there and it's all free so go and check it out awesome thanks joe i really appreciate it i'm going to get into the final four questions which are our deeper more philosophical questions okay um the first one being what's one thing that you're proud of the one thing I'm proud of is going to have to be Indy. Yeah. Just like being a dad and seeing her grow and like watching her just, she makes me laugh and I, I really see her kind spirit. I can see her energy, like the way she is and the way me and Rosie are with her. I'm like, I'm proud that she's a little bit of us. Yeah. And I yeah. love her to death. I completely agree. Um, in your opinion, what's the meaning of life? For me, the meaning of life is all about community and love. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, your community could be your family, your friends, the people you interact with. It's about looking after each other. And we do get caught up in in the whole, you know, social media and kind of consumerism of products. We need to know this, we need this, we need to be wearing that and this and that. But, you know, that's we can't take that with us. That's all, that's all just irrelevant when it comes to, you know, doing good things on earth and having a fulfilled, happy life. I think it really does come down to how many people you help, how you make other people feel and how you support and love the people around you from your your girlfriend to your your mum or to the person that, you know, delivers your your mail. Like be kind to people and you'll you'll live a much happier life. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. 100%. If you could give my listeners one piece of life advice, what would it be? My one piece of life advice, I've got to say is don't spend too long you know worrying and 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 doubting and and being really concerned about everything because you can have like really tough times but you're always going to get through it and always think positively and when times are tough you'll look back at them and you'll be like oh that was you know that was a tough time but uh, you learn you evolve so just remember we're, we're constantly changing you're always learning you're always evolving 
So if you're going through a tough time, whether you're at school or at work or in a relationship, everything, there's just no, it, it always gets better, you know, and time and time again, you'll feel that. And it, so that so when you do go through tough times, you'll be able to deal with them and, and, and kind of move on and progress quicker and get even better. So yeah, and believe in yourself as well. The last one I've got to read. Many years into the future, your time as Joe Wicks is coming to an end. The person closest to you can only describe you and your life in one sentence. What would you hope that would be? Oh, that's a good one. So one sentence describing me by someone else. Oh, that's tough. I'm, I feel, I'm thinking of a David Brent quote here because oh. he, always, he always says something about, about being remembered as the man who made everybody laugh. No. <laughs> but I would say Joe Wicks was a really genuine, kind, loving person who took care of me and always made me feel good. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're very busy. I know you've had a tough day. I'm never too busy for you, Luca. I've always got time for you. And I love you very much, dude. This is the perfect way of me closing this out. So thank you so much. Thanks, cuz. And I wish you the best of luck with your um, your next series of Guards of Eden, which is coming. Thank you for uh, having me. TBC. It's coming soon. Uh, TBC. TBC. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys, and um, really appreciate the support on the podcast. And lots of love to you, Luke. I'm really proud of you, cuz. Thank you very much, dude. One love.